cost of lumber is skyrocketing. By some reports, it is up 250% in a matter of months. People are canceling or putting off their projects, putting their projects on hold. Contractors don't have the ability to hold their prices. Other building products are also seeing drastic increases. One way to potentially cut the cost or mitigate the cost of rising lumber is by implementing some advanced framing strategies. Hi, this is Chris Novelli from N3 Architecture based in Hopedale, Massachusetts, and welcome to the Home Design Academy podcast where I help people understand design and construction so that they can make better decisions on their projects and communicate more effectively with their architects and contractors. So welcome to episode 27 of the Home Design Academy podcast. Today we're going to be talking all about advanced framing strategies, what is allowed and what is not allowed, and some of the pushback from contractors that you may see if you try to implement these strategies. But first, I want you to visit n3architecture.com for more more details and information. And please email me any questions you may have to chris at n3architecture.com. I would love to help you out with any of the problems that you have in regards to your projects or any questions that you may have as related to uh, architecture and construction. Are you an architect or an architecture student? Before we get into the podcast episode today, I wanted to talk to you briefly about Entree Architect. Entree Architect is many things. It's a blog. It's a podcast. It's a membership community, a private Facebook group, masterminds, and more. It's a place where small firm architects and even large firm architects can go for for camaraderie to ask questions and to take advantages of the amazing resources that they have available to us architects. Some of these resources include downloadable documents that you can then customize and start using in your firm today. Becoming a member of Entree Architect gives you access to to the monthly expert training sessions, including the replays of all the training sessions going back to 2017. There are also mastermind groups that you can join and brainstorm business ideas with like-minded architects and and have the accountability to improve your firm. So I've worked in firms for over 20 years before launching N3 Architecture. And had I joined and taken advantage of all that Entree Architect has to offer, I probably would have started my firm years earlier. So if any of this interests you, And if you're the owner of a small firm or an employee who dreams of someday starting a firm or even a student who wants to learn the business side of architecture that they don't teach you in school, I want you to go to n3architecture.com and then go to the resources pages. And there you'll find a link that will take you to the membership site for Entree Architect. And that's an affiliate link, so I get a, a small commission on top of that, but it doesn't cost you anything. And by going to that link, you are able to help out this Home Design Academy podcast. So once again, that's n3architecture.com slash resources. Don't wait. Do it today. Entree Architect is amazing. So now let's talk a little bit 
of advanced framing versus traditional framing. And now I'm not claiming that advanced framing methods will completely balance out the rising costs of lumber and other materials, but it can definitely help. And there's the potential to eliminate about 30% of the framing. And although this number, this you'll find that number published in many places, you know, using advanced framing, you can save approximately 30% of the lumber. It seems a little high to me and a little doubtful. So maybe, you know, maybe more like 15% or 10% less framing would be more accurate. But this, of course, depends on the design that you're working with and not only the perimeter of your exterior walls, but how many interior walls you have and how many non-bearing walls you have. So the biggest difference between traditional framing and advanced framing is framing your walls and your floor at 24 inches on center rather than 16 inches on center. So let's talk walls for a second. The IRC, the International Residential Code, allows for two by four walls to be at 24 inches on center when it's a single story only and only supporting the attic or the roof level. A two by six wall though, however, can be at 24 inches on center when it's supporting a second floor plus an attic and roof. And those two by six studs can be up to 10 feet in height. So that right there qualifies almost all of the single family residential projects, whether it's a single story ranch or a multi-story uh, colonial or any other type of, of house, right? You can, you can get your walls at 24 inches on center in 90% of the cases. And as far as the floor framing, that's a calculation that has to be run. There are uh, span charts in the code books and there's also um, a software that you can use if you're using a TJI or, or other types of engineered framing and you can calculate that out and see just what you can use to span that 24 inches on center. Mention 24 inches on center to some framers though and wow they will get triggered so I found that out. So 24 inches on center is also great for roof trusses or uh, truss joists for your floor and you can just align those trusses with your studs. The next step in advanced framing is to minimize the jack studs and eliminate the extra cripple studs at window openings. And for those of you who don't know how a typical window or door opening is framed, usually you have a king stud which goes all the way up and then a double or sometimes a triple jack stud, which is holding up the header, and that's next to the king stud. And then you might have another jack stud or another two jack studs to support the window sills. And then the cripple studs are the small studs that are underneath the window. And so I've seen, you know, triple jack studs be very common in bearing walls. I've seen double jack studs be used often even in non-load-bearing walls, and I've even seen double jack studs under the, the window sills. Now again, the IRC, the International Residential Code, will explain, and it has a chart that shows you the height and the span of the opening and how many studs you're supposed to be using for your jacks. But just as an example, a window that's less than three feet wide can use a single jack stud to support the headers. And windows over three feet in, in, in width usually need a double jack stud to support that header. But there's other ways you can do it too. You can also use header hangers on those larger window openings and still use a single jack stud 
or even a double jack stud, and you'll have plenty of room to install the window and the trim. Next, let's talk a little bit about using a single top plate for your walls. And so this, if you don't know, the, 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 the studs in your walls run vertically, and then the plates are the horizontal pieces of wood at the bottom of the wall and the top of the wall. And so most walls are framed with a double plate, right? And especially at the top, a double top plate. And so the way the walls are framed is the single, the first plate is installed before the wall is tilted into place. And then the, once the wall is in place, a double, the second plate spans between each section of the wall to lock it in. And this is a good practice, a typical practice. And I per prefer the double top plate in most situations. But historically, walls were built with single top plates, right? Going way back. And the IRC, the code book, allows for single top plates even today. The only difference is you need to splice it in. Like if you have a long section of wall, you can't have one section of wall with a plate and then another section of wall with a plate and stand them up next to each other and just screw them in together. No, the top plate needs to be spliced between those sections of walls. And like I said, most framers will prefer the double top plate method. It allows them to straighten out the walls and I prefer that method as well. Now let's talk about your exterior corners. So a typical wall framing corner will have three studs, usually two studs in one direction and one stud in, in the opposite direction. And one of the downfalls is that of this is it creates an uninsulated void in the corner of your house for all of the heating and cooling to escape. Now, there's a method of framing corners called the California corner, and that's a two stud corner, eliminating one of those studs, and you still have the same amount of strength, right? The, the, you're not going to lose any structural integrity by having a California corner. And the bonus is that you can get some extra insulation into that corner and that will help with your heating and cooling loads. Now let's talk about headers. So the, the header of a window or door opening, that's the structural piece of wood that goes across the opening, right? And so any of the, the weight and the load that's coming down from above will hit that header and transfer the load horizontally down to those jack studs, which I, which I explained earlier. Now, if you use a, tra a traditional 2x10 or a 2x12 or a 2x8, you may need two or three uh, pieces of wood to, to create that header to, to get the strength. But if you use an engineered fr framing, if you use an LVL or another type of engineered wood product, you have the potential to use less pieces of wood. And again, you get the added bonus of putting extra insulation in there. You push the header to the outside and that allows for the framers to do their thing and then the insulators to come back afterwards and fill that pocket with insulation. And so let's just think about the insulation for a minute here. Lumber is only about R1 per inch, you know, has very little insulation value. And anytime you can reduce the amount of studs, reduce the amount of lumber, and add insulation in its place. You're not only saving a little bit of, the, of money on the lumber and a little bit of money on the carpentry labor, but you're also increasing the energy efficiency of the house. And yes, 
There is a lumber savings that gets offset with an increased cost for the insulation, but the insulation doesn't cost as much as the lumber, number, number one. And number two, you gain that benefit over the life of the house of having a more efficient system that's going to use less heating and less cooling. Now let's talk about where an interior wall intersects perpendicularly with an exterior wall. And so a lot of times there'll be the, the carpenters will add some studs in there to screw those two walls together to anchor them together. But what happens if you, if you have that interior wall and it's not hitting the exterior wall at a stud, right? The traditional way would be to add the lumber, add the studs to that, that exterior wall. But with an advanced framing method, you can use some ladder blocking block some pieces of blocking that are expanding in between the studs and anchor your interior wall to that. So again, it's using less lumber, more insulation. And of course, when you have an interior non-load bearing walls, those can easily be at 24 inches on center. The sheetrock, you know, can span that 24 inches on center. Now, sometimes you might have to use a 5 eighths sheetrock instead of a half inch sheetrock. So again, you're weighing the pros and cons of the two different systems. And the interior non-load bearing walls obviously don't need as many jack studs for their openings. They don't need as many pieces of lumber to create the headers and nothing like that. Now, just to warn you, there may be some contractors who argue against all of this, and that's fine. Some people are not open to change, and they just want to do the things the same way that they did it 30 years ago. So I recently posted on social media about some advanced framing strategies, and for fun, let's read off some of the negative comments that I received. Okay, comment number one, do it the right way or don't do it at all. I've been building houses for 30 years, and that's a mistake. Don't cut corners on the structure. And so again, I want to talk to you about the people that say, do it the same way that we've been doing it for 30 years. Now, I've been an architect for going on 22 years now, and I can say that almost nothing in the building industry is the same now as it was 10 years ago, as it was 20 years ago. So come on, man, you just got to get with the times and and start learning new things. Next comment, your house will fall down. Again, it's not going to fall down. I've been a home builder for 12 years and I'd rather go out of business than build something that won't last. Advanced? How is using less wood advanced? Advanced means that your house will do backflips down the street at the first 90, per, 90 mile per hour wind. Okay, so this particular commenter obviously don't doesn't know how uplift is, is handled in a, in a wood frame structure. It's the amount of studs that you have in the exterior wall has no impact on the uh, the uplift resistance. It's all about the hold downs and the strapping, both at the base of the wall and at the roof. Those suggestions are below code standards, and code standards are the minimal requirement. And so I suggested to this person that they take another look in the code book because everything that I suggested is right there in the IRC. Eliminating studs the way that you're proposing makes a weaker product, period. Wrong. Next comment. Yeah, if you're building in Mexico, 
get lost, save money on your haircuts, advance haircuts, buy scissors and have your youngest child create, cut it. These are great strategies. This has to be a joke. Yeah, but it won't pass inspection. Again, it will pass inspection because it's right out of the code book. His suggestions will never pass code. It's just a way of cutting costs. Again, straight out of the IRC. Another engineer who has never built a house. I have a cousin that's an architect and I love him, but just because you can draw a house doesn't make you a builder of strong houses. Sounds like temporary housing for illegal immigrants. I can tell you that guy must have some problems. This is a pretty funny one. Pro tip, you can hammer any used nail straight and then use them again. Next comment is, you're all wet. There's no structural integrity. Here's a fun one. Stick to something that you're good at. I've never seen anything so stupid. Using less lumber increases the risk of it falling apart. Okay, so now while there was plenty of negative comments in in regards to my post, there was also lots of positive comments in support of the advanced framing methods and the ones who further elaborated on where it can be used and where it can't be used. But it's just more fun to talk about those negative people. And so while I mentioned those comments for amusement, there are actually people that think that way and thinking that if you use a couple less studs in a wall that the whole thing is going to fall apart. I mean, that's just ridiculous, right? And I hate to say it like this, but the people who made those comments are scared or even threatened that someone is questioning their craft. So let's face it. If you're building with a two by four exterior wall, then you probably shouldn't go to 24 inches on center unless it's a single story home. That's common sense. But I haven't specified a 2x4 on exterior walls on 15 years. And the big reason for that is the energy codes, which keep on getting updated year after year. You almost always need a 2x6 wall to get the required insulation in most climates. And yes, I know that there are provisions to use a 2x4 wall with additional rigid uh, insulation on the exterior, but still, you're going to be so much better off with a 2x4 or 2x6 wall, sorry, or a double stud wall. And the more insulation you have and the less thermal bridging you have, the better and the more efficient your house will be. You will save money on your heating bills. You will save money on your cooling bills. End of story. Eliminating the excess jack studs also makes sense, especially on non-bearing walls. Like I said, I've seen houses or multifamily buildings framed with triple and quadruple jack studs when it's just not needed or triple jack studs on an interior non-bearing wall it's just not needed and now i am not a fan of the single top plate method but like i said it is allowable by the building codes if it's properly spliced in and so you may pay a little extra for the added labor to do that splicing and maybe that extra labor cost doesn't offset the cost of just adding that double plate but you know you have to think about what's important to you you know lumber is a renewable resource and the majority of it comes from regulated forests 
but that doesn't mean that we should use all of it all the time. If there's a way to cut down on material usage, then it should be considered. And that just makes for good design, that just makes for common sense. And the framers who get bent out of shape for 16 inches on center versus 24 inches on center can take a hike. Think about it. To have that big of an overreaction for 8 inches of difference in spacing and something that is clearly allowed by the building codes and has been around for decades with no issues. Okay, final thought here. Before you consider implementing any of these strategies on your project though, you need to confirm with your local architect or structural engineer. You need to confirm the, the, the wind loads and the snow loads and make sure that what you're designing or what you're thinking about doing complies with your local codes. So what I mentioned here today conforms with the IRC, the International Residential Code, but each state has their own amendments, right? Or each state adopts certain things. So you need to check with what's required in your state. And as a side note, that especially with the wind loads and the wind resistance and uplift, a lot of the resistance comes from the brackets and the hold downs and the strappings, not an extra two by four here and there. up another episode of the home design academy podcast i hope that you've learned something and enjoyed yourself along the way make sure to subscribe and leave a review on your podcast player of choice please visit n3architecture.com for more information email your questions to chris at n3architecture.com and if you're an architect please consider becoming a member of the entree architect community Go to n3architecture.com slash resources for more information. Thank you, and I'll see you in the next one.